Hello, I'm Adam, and welcome to Tales from the Potting Bench, a gardening podcast where you hear tales and stories from the most interesting and different people from the world of both indoor and outdoor gardening. This season is sponsored by the wonderful people at Plant Grow, producers of award-winning organic fertilisers made with zero chemicals. Great for your garden and even greater for the planet. In this episode, I'm joined by gardener and fellow salvia lover, Jimmy Blake of Huntingbrook Gardens near Dublin in Ireland. Jimmy has become synonymous with his stunning gardens which have attracted visitors from all over the world for over 20 years. This is an episode that I've been dying to share with you all from the moment we recorded it, as me and Jimmy really get into how plants have led us both on a journey of self-discovery. For anyone who is not familiar with you right now, who are you and what is it that you do? Oh, I might have no idea. <laughs> I'm Jimmy Blake and I'm the owner and creator of Huntingbrook Gardens in Ireland. And I've been gardening all my life since I was a little kid. And I suppose each year it gets more exciting or gets deeper, the, the love of it and yeah. the, the benefit of it. For me, I suppose I trained in the Botanic Gardens in Dublin and um, and then went to Airfield, which is a garden in Dublin. I was there for, I think, 10 or 11 years and then got the chance of getting this site, 20 acres on the side of the farm that I grew up on. So I was very lucky, you know, it kind of has the best of both worlds. It's near, it's near the city, so I'm not too far out, but I'm still in the countryside in the hills. It's cold, like it's a thousand feet, so it's cold this morning. But uh, yeah, I just wanted, I wanted to create a nest a nest, a home was the most important thing for me, where I could settle into and be happy living in and collect plants. That's what really I'm about is just experimenting all the time with new plants, having fun with plants and then opening it and sharing it with people with through courses, through whether they're here or they're online or their people are coming to visit the gardens. Yeah, it's 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 sharing it then. And I think the magic is meeting meeting all those amazing gardeners that come to visit. And that's what I missed, I suppose, in the last few years. But yeah, it's um that that's what I do. I mean, I don't really consider myself a garden designer or, or really what gives me the buzz is is growing plants that I absolutely love and 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 I suppose this summer watching watching the trees and shrubs that I put in over the last 20 years suddenly they've exploded and they're turning into adults <laughs> so it's all that that excitement about plants really for me so that's kind of your last oh well how many years have you potted up there in a really quick synopsis here in Huntingbrook yeah so you've 20 been years, 20 years 20 years yeah yeah and it was 11 years at Airfield was it yeah yeah and you were you were you were, weren't you head gardener at 21? What an age to become a head gardener. I was four. Oh. <laughs> I was four. Um, yeah, I was 21, I think, yeah. Yeah, something like that, yeah. So that what what a dream, but also quite I don't know, daunting. Did you did you feel kind yeah, of ready for that? Well, it's like I mean, it was I was very lucky because I, I think so often that first step out of college can really dictate the rest of your life and I was just very lucky I was in a, I got that job Um, I mean I was head gardener but I, I was the only I was the only gardener for a few years like it was a very uh, very posh title head gardener all right at that stage but yeah I was really lucky I was really lucky I mean it did it paved the way for the rest of my life really and what was that what was that like when you took it over and what did you do over your 
11 years there? It was like it's a city farm. It's it's in the city. It was about 40, maybe more, 50 acres, a working farm. And two old ladies owned it. And what, the last one died in 1993, age 93. And it was a really old-fashioned farm, the Jersey herd of cattle. And it was great for me coming from a farm here and been able to, I lived in the Gate Lodge. So it was, it was just lovely to have that connection with the farm and the and nature. Yeah, it was it was, it was ideal. It I bet. Funded, I mean, funded my party in life as well. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, absolutely. So then how did the... How because I don't I don't necessarily know this. So how did your how did the opportunity to come kind of back to Huntingbrook happen? And how did that because how how big is the space that you've got there? Did you say it's it's twenty acres? So it was yeah. I suppose I had brought airfield as far as I needed to bring it as yeah. I as I wanted to, and I wanted on my own garden. You know, I was literally you know collecting all these plants for someone so much someone else's garden mm. so I, I I yeah I had a, it was an amazing site here and I wanted to build a timber house so I I just went ahead and did it but I, it was it was hard I had because I left my job and I had to open the garden really quickly mm. so I think I started in September and I opened the public in May so I ran a whole load of different courses in the kitchen in this in this kitchen I guess it was, it was crazy really but um well it wasn't crazy it was what I did at the time and I loved it at the time mm. I couldn't imagine doing it now but yeah there was a, there was a very quickly there was a sense of community and um and it's funny yesterday I was on a for, the for, a foraging day and I just said I just felt god that sense of community I have to work on that again you know over the last few years I've felt you know I pulled back and I you don't see as many it well I didn't see as many people at all but mm. I that sense of community I forgot how powerful that is and how nurturing that is to and just yeah so it there was from the very start there was that sense of community all different people teaching courses and groups coming in and you think i think after the last two years you think you don't need that because you become kind of reclusive and you you can you you go very inward and you're anxious about opening up again yeah to, to, to the world and I, I think we have to we can't underestimate that what that is like because it is a real thing I got I really anxious the day before yesterday about going on the course and I was I was going to pull out of it and I mean I had nothing to do I mean I was just going on the course mm. but it was when I talked to the to the woman that ran the course yesterday I was like god that that was anxiety. That was that was anxiety to be in a group of people again, to be in a mm-hmm. circle, which was sending the fear into me to speak in a circle, even though I'm yeah. my main job is public speaking. You made me nervous yeah. just thinking about that. I can picture the, the it's that it's that pending like when it's in circles, <laughs> no worse, where it's getting closer and closer to you. Yeah. Your turn. It's like ah. Yeah, I was like, do I push my chair back? Will they see less <laughs> me if I push my chair back? Will I go forward? I'm in the right place. Maybe I'll turn a little angle so only half the group is see me uh, and I only had like probably two words to say but yeah I suppose we just have to this summer has really been an education for me mm-hmm. on stepping back into the world and what what did I really want into the stepping back into the world rather than just jumping on the treadmill again like and step and just doing the same old things and getting the same old results not that I, I did wonderful things that I really loved doing but it was it was definitely time for me to change mm-hmm. my pace of life and what I did and then bringing trying to bring that sense of community back into uh, what I do and here because I live alone with two dogs and I, you know it can it can get lonely and it was for a few years yeah of course I I wonder then so how in terms of your say your garden being open for tours and things like that obviously it had to be closed during the pandemic what was that like for you then to open it up again I imagine it was 
amazing but also quite overwhelming yeah do you know what it was great it was great and i i just warned the tourists when they'd arrived that like if if i was talking for like too many hours because i hadn't spoken much for two years that you know maybe they were welcome to just say maybe something to calm down or something but um no it was great to share the garden again it was it was lovely i actually really love tours coming in because you get to meet people from all around the world and a lot of a lot of tours were back this year so that was that's something that I was I know that I love doing. Um, I don't love doing a million different things and being really overwhelmed and being stressed about what I do. You know, I'm a gardener. I I want to be gardening. I want to be. I want to nurture that inner nerd, the love of plants. And that's that's really what 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 fires me up. And we all have to ask ourselves what what makes us really happy, what makes us fired up. What keeps us calm more than fired up, I suppose. And you can ask yourself that in life, but you can ask yourself that in gardening because we're very lucky to be in this world of gardening. But it's really important to actually acknowledge what part of it do you really love and how, how can you bring more of that in and let go of this, let go of the areas that stress you and cause anxiety. Oh, my God, I love that. You've just you've tapped a nerve there. You just <laughs> So you, obviously you mentioned, mentioned the pandemic and the period of not being able to either go out or let people in which I think we forget it was kind of both ways did that was that a good period for you for the garden did you get did you do a lot or did you change a lot or yeah I did because I was about to start doing a whole new area at the side of the house which was a a meadow that had gone wrong badly wrong buttercup had taken over and it got really wet too Mm. wet so I had a huge project to do um we put in these sand gardens and you know I love doing something totally different and that's, again, I I know that that's what excites me. I don't want to just be maintaining my garden. I don't want to just maintain the same old borders every year. That would bore me to death. So doing something completely different with sand and growing a completely different range of plants, that was really exciting and really a learning curve. I mean, you know, I, I didn't think it would be full enough because I'm used to these big, rich borders. So like in through all the, the succulents and Mediterranean plants, I packed them with annuals. But it got too too packed. And so it's good. I mean, the public were able to watch. They're always able to watch all the mistakes I make. That's how we all learn. I suppose. But yeah, it's been, been growing a new palette of plants and being able to grow that those sort of plants at a thousand feet in a soggy Wicklow garden <laughs> was yeah. was a, a revelation for me. So yeah, and woodland plants, spring plants are a big passion of mine. Yeah, people think Honeybrook is all about tender plants. It's a very small proportion of what's actually here. And extending the seasons is a really big thing for me. So the more, the longer the season of interest for me and for biodiversity here is is very important. So that's why I'm now collecting over 400 snowdrops. Jesus Christ. Good <laughs> Lord. How many, how many varieties of snowdrops are there? Do you know? I don't know. There's, I don't know. But there's, well, at, at least 400. There's at least 400. <laughs> or heading towards 500. Um, yeah, so that's, that's, I've been working on those beds. And, you know, now my challenge is trying to find plants that flower the earliest. Like yesterday, I was chatting, giving a talk in England next week, and I was chatting to them in Picton Gardens. Mm. Uh, they collect daffodils. So I was going to do a swap with them on the earliest flowering daffodils. So that can really, really push the seasons. Mm. And I'm not a winter person I find it challenging so the more interest I can have early in the season and then get some nutcases in to, to look at them in, in in a wet soggy February day and we're all got our bums in the air looking at a little white flower <laughs> uh, kind of fun it's, yeah. it's again it's good for you good for you I don't I know it costs me the snowdrops but I can't I can't describe how how good it is for my mental health and then to meet those lovely people that are into those little white flowers as well you I mean you mentioned winter but 
it would be it would be mad not to talk about the summer that we've I feel like I can say just had now because it's summer's gone, hasn't it? Very quickly over the last two weeks or so. It's it's very firmly autumn now, isn't it? Yeah. I looked at the thermometer in the greenhouse this morning and it's I think it's the lowest it's been so far. Obviously, it's four four point one. Yeah. And it was 7.9, I think, last week. Dropped yeah. really, really quickly. But the summer that we've had has just been insane. Has it, has it been just as bad over there as well? Um, I say bad, you know, has it been? Yeah, it's, no, it has been really dry. But, I mean, if you looked at my garden now, you wouldn't, you'd say, well, you don't know anything about a dry garden. Uh, whereabouts are you? Then? I'm right in the middle of the UK. So I'm in Birmingham. So it's as, Very, it's as yeah. standard UK weather as you can get. Yeah. I think we got up to, I can't remember now. It feels like ages ago, but I think we got up to about 40. I think it was 40 at one point, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, uh, but then obviously, so there was that, but then we've had quite bad wind and things as well earlier in the year. And then, and now it feels as though we're going to have an insane winter, doesn't it? It just feels as though we're going to have everything this year. And I don't know, yeah, I don't know whether it will hit you, but the, this this hurricane that's happened in America, that's pretty terrifying. And I don't know whether you get any of the backlash. I'm looking at the trees. Yeah, really no, it's windy. It's mm. uh, it's not a windy, oh yeah, it's very windy out actually this morning. Because I'm surrounded by Aurelia trees, mm. all planted close to the house and they're all just blowing around. Yeah, I mean, this is what we're going to get. We're going to get more extremes. Um, I We did have a really dry summer. I mulched heavily, mulched the beds really heavily in last autumn, and it made a huge difference. I watered one of the main borders once, and then it rained that night. Um, so I actually didn't water. The big thing, the sand gardens just were absolutely perfect. Um, and I'm thinking of putting gravel on top of the sand next year mm-hmm. uh, or this winter, just even hold in the moisture more. Yeah. Sand holds moisture anyway. But um, yeah, I mean, obviously, I you know, I was over at the Bechado Symposium on, on rewilding and that to see that area of England like looking like Australia was frightening. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and even the dry garden burnt up. Scary. So very real. It is, isn't it? I do. I do wonder the more that we think about it how it's going to change how we garden do you you think it's going to change much there long term i think i think right where i am it's it's slower it is slower because i'm a thousand feet in the mountains but it's changed in 20 years like i mean i'm growing plants that i I couldn't dare leave outside 20 years ago um we are really lucky with our climate even though we give out like hell about the climate we have here in, in where I am it's you know it's it's it is damp a lot of the time so um, we don't get incredibly cold so we can grow a massive um, range of plants but I'm very conscious that it's that you know that it's changing very quickly as well yeah it is isn't it I just wonder how we, where we whether we suddenly have to really start thinking properly about drought tolerant plants I was talking to someone the other day about that and I think just suddenly it's where things like dahlias etc start to really kind of come into their own being Mexican and I just wonder how I don't know just wonder how how it will change I think I think it's I think it's important we always learn from from whatever whatever we're experience you know this summer what what plants did really well in your gardens what plants did really well in neighbors gardens what plants did really well in gardens you visit and really learn mm. and you know and what plants didn't do well and it's a time to, to get rid of plants that aren't that are just hanging on every year that really suffer in those weeks of drought during the summer and educate yourself what plants will actually do well in, in the changing climate uh, because there's so many plants to grow I mean I'm just I'm only learning all this about the drought plants like in, in the sand gardens here no and I think we have to learn quickly definitely I think it's I think it's um, while it's quite daunting 
I think it's also quite exciting to be able to suddenly think about different types of plants that we can grow that we just previously wouldn't have been able yeah, to. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I think it is exciting as well. I noticed, um, I had completely missed this, how, I don't know, but that you, you did a book in 2019 about hunting brook. I mean, how did how did that go? It looks like such a beautiful book. I had a quick look inside online. Um, looks like such a lovely book. Be happy with that. Yeah, yeah. It was uh, it was great. I did it with uh, Philbert Press, who are in Bath. They specialize in garden book. Um, and Noel Kingsbury, the garden writer. Yeah, it was it was great to be able to pull together all that I do here, and you know, quite a comprehensive uh, section of the book I wrote about the, all the different, well, not all the plants, but my favorite plants here in Huntingbrook. Mm. Um, so it was it was it was it was a great experience. Um, it did happen just at a you know yeah. just before the pandemic, so it was um, it was a tricky time, but. Yeah, no, it's great. I mean, it's 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 allowed me to travel quite a bit again. Just starting to travel quite a bit again with the book, and it's called a beautiful obsession, and that's that's really what it is for me. It is a beautiful obsession. <laughs> yeah, I think it's such a great title. Such a great title. Yeah, I had that. I had that written down for years. For I I was going to use it in a talk. Yeah, mm. uh, and I remember when it came to the title of the book, there was all sorts of titles been thrown around, and uh, I was really adamant that it would be that. And uh, sure, part two can be the, the beautiful obsession continues. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was my next thing. Have you got another book in you? Do you think? But... Yeah, I mean, there will be another book at some stage. Right now, I'm so conscious of not doing a million things. Yeah. <laughs> So I know it does take a lot of time and I know the next time I, I will have to do it all, do all the writing and I know I did some of the writing last time, but there will be another book. Um, and I think, you know, the, the sand garden, none of that area, all the new woodland beds, none of that was done. Actually, the garden's changed nearly completely since the book. Yeah. Um, yeah, I suppose in a few years' time, it would be interesting to revisit that again. So you, You've said a couple of times about being conscious of not doing too much, but I'm also conscious that, you know, you do these masterclasses and the, the kind of the online courses and things like that. How wonderful is that? Because I think what's really nice about, I've not been able to get to your garden one day, I hope to. I really hope to come on the um, the Rosie Irving and Michael Marriott one, but I couldn't I couldn't make it. We did, I did the Shropshire one recently, which was, they are just right. of absolutely right. brilliant people. I think they're coming again next year. So, yeah, yes. well, I'll definitely come, yeah, I'll yeah, come yeah. on that one. But yeah, so you do these these courses and I kind of, uh, I, I suppose I wonder that for because you are out in kind of Ireland and I know, you, you know, you, you're, you've got a massive appeal in the UK as well. I wonder if there's a lot of people from the UK doing those that either aren't able to get over. And I know it's not a course about the garden, but it's a fantastic chance to learn a, a lot from you. How are you finding doing those? Yeah, I love I love doing them. I like you know it's another form of teaching. I'm just teaching to a to a camera. And during the pandemic, we 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 spent a whole year recording content, a whole year in the garden. Mm. And I was very conscious that you know there were so many people that couldn't get here and still you know that they couldn't come to do the courses that I run here. And uh, so it was lovely to get it out to to a much wider audience. Um, you know we have a lot of people all over the world now doing it in New Zealand. And it's lovely watching that. New Zealand gardeners now their gardens are waking up and ours are going to sleep so it's been really it's been really great because we have this closed Facebook group for everyone that's doing the courses uh, as well um, and they there's a, there's a sense of community even though it's online and we're looking at laptops but you know there is the, the, you know social media and and whatever online can bring bring so many people together yeah. so yeah I know it's it's been great I've enjoyed doing it I was also making um, a television program that summer as well um, so that took up a lot of time so it was like I had to learn how to be on camera very quickly 
<laughs> how did you find them? So what 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 was that series? Uh, it was called Ireland's Garden Heroes. So it was uh, yeah, it was visiting three gardens for each program all over the country in Ireland. So yeah, it was good. It was good. And then I'd come back and I'd record my courses. So it was like getting practice on the telly and then coming yeah. back recording the courses. Well, so we we have all like it's all basically in a membership thing. So we they get access for a full year to everything, and then I do this master class once a month with them online as well. So it's full on plants. You have to be up for it. <laughs> so if, if for anyone that's listening that would like to get involved with that, what where do we find out about that? Is that on your website? Yeah, the Huntingbrook, Huntingbrookgardens.com on the website there. Okay. Yeah. Wonderful. I have got a three questions that I ask every single guest, um, no matter their background or whatever it is they do within within horticulture. So I are, are you prepared for these three questions? No. <laughs> <laughs> They're not, I mean, they're not scary. They're not scary. It might, you might have to kind of scratch your head a little bit. (laughs) Something wrong. So the first one is if, I mean, this is, I think this is going to be really difficult potentially, but if you had to redesign your whole garden with only one type of plant, so you can have multiple varieties of whichever plant you choose, which would it be? I think it would be salvias. I'm just... Love I'm salvia. so into salvia. Like, I have a big obsession about salvias. I went to the salvia summit in America a few years ago. And uh, after that, I did a trial of 245 salvias. Now I kill most of them, but now I'm um, now I'm really back into it. Like, I'm like, I'm potting them up for next year. And mm. they're the best plant at the moment. And they survived so well this summer. They look amazing. So, yeah, they have to be salvias. Have you got a favourite salvia? I'm a massive salvia fan as well. Oh, are you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You don't find that yeah. people that are really... I think it's one of those plants that you are you either kind of like or you don't like. I think especially some of the yeah. scented um, some of the scented ones. I, I always hear people say that they smell like cat wee, which I just don't. I completely disagree with. Completely. I don't know what cat they're smelling. Um, <laughs> the, the, the big, huge involucrata bootin with mm. the, like the long panicles of pink flowers like that that's hardy here as well and it's huge it's spectacular out there um, and curvy flora can pick oh, it up yeah, yeah. Beautiful. okay you're just giving me more reasons to definitely want to come next year now yeah <laughs> <laughs> um along a similar vein if you could only ever use one tool in your garden again and no other tools, which would it be? Uh, tools. Um, I don't use a lot of tools, really. I must say at the moment, I'm very, very happy going around with my handsaw and oh. and the long handle, the long handle saw. Those two, two really good ones because I have so many trees yeah. and I do all this with Aurelia trees right up to the house and they've mm. got higher than the house. I'm raising canopies all the time. So... I love this time of year and I can literally just throw branches everywhere. So definitely a really good uh, hand saw and pole saw. Okay, that's yours then. And the age old question, if you could impart one piece of gardening wisdom on a new garden owner, what would it be? I think having having fun with your garden and just not being too too not being kind to yourself when you start gardening. That you're not being so hard on yourself that you're not getting it right. That's how we all learn. I mean I'm you wouldn't believe the amount of plants I kill, but I'll learn how to grow them from 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 that. Um, so I would say definitely having fun and trying to find some community of people that rather than that than it being just you trying to figure this little garden or figure this space out, that reach out and meet people in the community that are in the same boat and that are interested in gardening. I think that's a really good way and start swapping plants. There's about probably 10, 10 things there. <laughs> no, I don't know. That's fine. But it is, yeah, having fun and, and finding your tribe of people that are interested in the same thing. 
I hope you enjoyed this conversation with Jimmy and you're as desperate to get to Huntingbrook as I am. The gardens are closed for the year now, but will reopen in spring next year. Jimmy's Instagram account is one of my favourites and I think you'll love it too. You can find him there at jimmyblake underscore huntingbrookgardens. Join me soon where I have yet another fantastic guest from the world of plants, blooms and flowers. You can follow me on Instagram at View from the Potting Bench to find out who that might be, or subscribe to my free newsletter to find out before anyone else. <laughs>